sit down boys if I get a treat for you fighting the fight when it comes to technology we are the knights of the kingdom of geekery we rise up when it comes to the challenge of discussing all this nerd knowledge we are the digital soup we are the digital soup we bring with lots of laughter Tune in now if that's what you're after Digital Soup We are the Digital Soup We are the Digital Soup With Jason Adam and usually Dave Alright everybody, welcome back to Digital Soup the only podcast that never closes their eyes when they sneeze. It's really hard to do, but you got to try it. Keep them wide open. And and then you freak people out because you're like staring right at them as snot's coming out of your nose. (laughs) We also don't smile when we laugh. (laughs) (laughs) Smile. Imagine how creepy that would be if you couldn't smile. (laughs) If you laugh, that'd be just awesome. You know what? You should make a video of you attempting that. That would be great. Yeah. And it'll be like a viral, (laughs) a viral YouTube, Instagram (laughs) challenge. No smile challenge. You know what? There's so many of those out there. We should do it. Yeah, we should. Adam, make a video. <laughs> I actually tried uh, tried to get my daughters to do that last week. I'm like, hey, do you think you could laugh without smiling? Can, could they do it? I'll just dub myself regular laughing over my face, not smiling. <laughs> no, nobody can do it. It's too hilarious. <laughs> I know who could do it. Beavis and Butthead could do it. <laughs> <laughs> however they did that <laughs> you know oh, butthead he laugh. says however they did it as he did it perfectly <laughs> i didn't do it perfectly i know like how he... they did it they were animated <laughs> <laughs> they really need to actually redo that show don't you think so no come up with something new bring it but... they, they could bring it back but don't redo it i loved me some beavis and butthead come on a reboot that's what no. we need the world is full of reboots now. We need it. Yeah, but how would you reboot Beavis and Butthead? Well, for one, it would be all CGI. No, that would ruin it. It oh. has to be hand-drawn, 2D. It would have to be. But don't worry. It's Beavis and Butthead after college. Yeah, but don't like worry. Really intelligent. They went to college? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> In today's day and age, it'll be a live-action reboot. Oh, who would you cast? <laughs> That's a All good right, question. let's go with that. Who are you casting as uh, Beavis? Oh, man. Oh, let's see. See, I, oddly, I think Beavis would be the easier um, easier to cast probably because he's, I mean, he's not regular looking like a real person, but he's closer. But he has like um, some weird jaw action going on. He's real. got a major underbite. Yeah. Uh, Neil Patrick Harris as Beavis. Oh, yeah, that's pretty good. And that's going strictly off of the look. Yeah. Um, and who is Butthead then? And he's also kind of crazy enough and good of an actor to pull that off, probably. Let's see. What um, about, uh, what's his name that played um, Napoleon the, Dynamite? What the heck was his name? Yeah. Uh, oh, John. I, John yeah, John but Heater. he'd be, he'd actually be a better Butthead, I think, the way. Yeah, he might be. Because yeah. he's kind of always like downward, like, oh, whatever. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh. Gosh, he's he almost is butthead right now, and it has been so long. I can't even. I can't, I couldn't even tell you one of the storylines of one of the episodes. It's been so long. Well, that's the thing. There wasn't like major storylines. It was 
little vignettes wrapped around watching awesome music videos and nonsense. The so only it was time like, st- uh, what what was that called? Um, Mystery Science Theater three thousand. No, like that. <laughs> no, not really. But you'd have little characters like uh, the neighbor, Mister Anderson, was it? That was uh, ended up. Anderson. That's who Hank Hill ended up being. When when they made King of the Hill, that character, the neighbor, that was always like, "Get off my lawn, kids," or whatever. He so used not to the say. same Mr. Anderson I was just thinking about here. <laughs> no, 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 not the same one. But any, anyways, what are we <laughs> doing a, today? Oh wait, wait, wait. Yeah, I'm yeah. Go with uh, Benedict Cumberbatch as who? <laughs> the butthead. Because <laughs> 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 I'm just thinking of the hairline and the <laughs> oh yeah, the super deep voice who you know he played the dragon and yeah you know, he, he just like. <laughs> He's all British. And... Could you could you see him playing that though? That'd be hilarious. Him and Neil Patrick Harris both. I think I'm gonna watch some Beavis and Butthead tonight. After <laughs> how about I've got some their uh, DVD uh, box sets? So oh, you <laughs> nerd. <laughs> I do. What about uh, do you have Daria too? No, well, Daria was all right. I didn't mind it, but I was always a bigger fan of Beavis and Butthead and then the original Eon Flux. Cartoon. Oh my gosh, somebody actually posted a picture with Benedict Cumberbatch and Neil Patrick Harris underneath oh, yeah. Beavis and Butthead. I'm not kidding. Are Share you this serious? Up. I'm gonna put this in the show and uh, into uh, I'll put it in the show notes right now so you guys can look. And at that's it. that's gonna be actually our. I didn't see that uh, episode first before. cover. <laughs> I didn't see this before. Yeah, I, right. No, I swear. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we've been talking about Beavis and Butthead for a while now. Uh, and as Dave said, hey, what are we doing here, guys? What's going on? I want to talk about some strange things. Okay. Well, I want to talk about some even stranger things. What? Strangest things? Nope. Too far. <laughs> now, is it stranger or more strange? Mm, technically. Stranger, stranger danger. Strange. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So who wants to start this out? Dave said he does. Yeah, because he he was the one that was telling us how it started because he forgot how it was. And then you refreshed his memory, Adam. Yep. So hey, so Dave, uh, uh, why don't you pick up where this uh, episode began? What happened? Well, last week we were left to the cliffhanger. We saw Billy get dragged down to the factory basement by creepy tentacles and just screaming and credits. This week he comes stumbling out, running out of the factory. Gets in his car, which I thought was weird because he jumped in and started driving right away. And I thought it wouldn't start at the end of last episode, which is why he got out and was looking around. I thought it had died on him. But anyways, he takes off and then ends up stopping again to call at a payphone, which is pretty cool to see. Yeah. And of course, that doesn't work. And then he's all of a sudden as in the upside down and confronted by a whole horde of people. Reminded me a lot of Michael Jackson's thriller, actually. And they come Were walking they up this street. I don't remember well, that. They weren't dancing, but their formation was similar. They come out of the shadows, and he's confronted with someone that looks just like him, asking them what they want. And you know, O'Billy is asking him, what do you want? And then, you know, I can't remember what exactly they said, build what we see or something like that. And um, If you build it, they will come, he well, said. Well, no, I'm pretty sure that probably wasn't it, but... <laughs> Yeah, and then we're kind of yeah, we're kind of off Helicopter. to the races at that point. <laughs> Jeez. Throwback. So we're we're off to the races at that point, and I can't remember from the end of that scene. Does it jump right to him at the pool the next day, or does it go I, back? I to think the it mall? cuts over to the mall, and there, um, Dustin's back, and Steve sees him, and he's like, 
Uh, I got this special. Russian oh yeah, this spy is stuff. this is where they first see each other. They didn't see each other last episode. That's mm-hmm. right. I wanted to talk about this because we we mentioned it last week how um, those two had become friends, and now we get to see this. This is that whole scene, and the the lady is like, oh, "You dorks" or whatever. The coworker. Yeah. Well, uh, before you go any farther, she had one of the greatest lines in here, and I don't know it verbatim, but it was something to the effect of. Uh, how many children are you friends with? <laughs> yeah, I thought yeah. that was hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Well, well in, if she'd gone through if she'd gone through all the stuff you went through with those kids. And, <laughs> all right. Well, in they sit down and, and Dustin's telling Steve all about this girl who you know and he's like hotter than Phoebe Cates. So I I'm I'm thinking I don't know if this is just going to be like a running gag the whole show or like we said last week is Susie actually going to show up? But then. He's trying, Dustin's trying to whisper to him about, hey, I got this Russian spy thing. Yeah, that whole Steve, Yeah, Steve can't hear him. Steve can't hear him. He's like, well, just say it. And he goes, I intercepted a Russian spy communication. And the whole mall just like stops so, and looks at so him. So basically you find out he only has two volumes, whisper and scream at the top of your lungs. <laughs> I mean, he could have yep. said it at a different volume and uh, he would have been able to hear then. Well, and they were getting awfully cozy in <laughs> Pretty that. Pretty much. Awfully cozy in that booth. I thought it was kind of weird they were sitting so yeah, close. Yeah, uh, I just, I, I hope that they do not turn them into, um, you know, a uh, December-March, you know, relationship. December-March? Yeah, that's how they describe if it's like an older person and a younger person. Oh, I, I don't think so because the one You've never is heard a... such a thing. Oh, all right, no. listeners, I want you all to find clips from movies, uh, television shows, uh, books, uh, Google it, and let Adam know how, you know, he just he doesn't understand the way of the world. Yep. Well, the <laughs> fact that Sorry. Steve is out of high school and Dustin is like junior high school, pretty sure they're not going to go there even though maybe the PC culture will look for it. But in the 80s, that wasn't there, and that would be straight-up pedophilia. And mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure Stranger Things is not going to promote that. Not so, strangest things. No, that that would be uh, horrible, nightmarish things. Um, but the way they're sitting, I, I almost I, – it's kind of weird they were sitting so close, but at the same time, it was like two best friends that hadn't seen each other in a long time. He was so excited to see Dustin. Mm. And after – after can the can cold... we hold there for a second? I mean, the three of us have been really good friends, but I don't think I would ever cozy that close to either of you. Sorry, man. I, yeah, I but we're not that young. Like, <laughs> Steve is, what, 18, 19 Oh, man, old. if we were all, like, teenagers, we'd be all over each other. Is no, that what you're saying there? No, this is weird. Yeah, I don't like where <laughs> these jokes like are going. Talk. <laughs> uh, what I'm saying is that uh, when you're younger, kids all oftentimes, you know, they'll – sit down they just they don't care they don't pay attention to that stuff because they're not self-conscious about it we as adults are like give me my space but i think it's really cool how they've played this whole dynamic and i really think we're headed towards a big friend group split um throughout this series because they're really playing up this dynamic with steve and dustin where it's it's part like best buds it's also part like big brother little brother you know happy to see you all that kind of stuff. I really like, though, the contrast where last week Dustin felt like all of his friends just left him. And yeah. now he's got the one last friend he hadn't seen yet, and the dude is so excited to see him. And then they go start trying to decode this message, which is pretty hilarious. They have no clue what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, and here's the thing. I'm not a linguist, but just because you know uh, you know, two or three other languages, does that really mean that you'd be able to decipher a language you don't know just because you kind of well, know the structure of those ones? You know what? No. I, it, 
it wouldn't it wouldn't work in a one to one basis, but I think it would help you figure things out if the language base that you knew was rooted in a similar fashion. You know I, don't know, I just thought that was a little far fetched there. I me? would agree, but then again, so is the upside down. Well, I, I'll put it this way: I mean, not not taking a hard stance defending it, but I had uh, all of my foreign language classes through school. Hard stance. They were all in French. And because of that, I never have had a Spanish class in my life. No habla español, por favor? No, but when I'm reading, say, the the proverbial back of a shampoo bottle or whatever, and I see the French words and I see the Spanish words, I can figure out roughly, you know, just Well, yeah, because you just read the English words. No, 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 (laughs) no. That's not what I'm saying. But they're rooted similar. So you can kind of see, you know, the the similarities. And now... a sentence structure, though, is a little bit different in other languages. Uh, I can only speak for German, where the verb is always at the end. So instead of uh, he ran up the hill, the structure in German is he up the hill ran. Mm-hmm. They always put the verb at the end. So I don't know. Is it similar to like French and other languages? Actually, a lot of languages do that. Yep. Uh, Spanish, too. Uh, okay. But when you look at how they were decoding this Russian message, they weren't they weren't straight up decoding entire sentences at a time. It seemed pretty yeah, quick, but they were there for hours. There. <laughs> you know, and they, they first figured out just a, a simple letter or, you know, like, okay, this one's here and here and here, and we think that's this word. Okay, so that word unlocks a few letters. Now let's transpose those and go from there. I think it's possible. Now, possible by a junior high student and however old the coworker is. Mm-hmm. Mm, I don't know. Now, the next thing here, real fast, because this is still with them in the mall and after they're trying to decipher that um, Russian, uh, is uh, maybe this is going to, uh, it's going to make more sense later on. Some more episodes will probably explain it, but. I just thought it was very convenient that the music that was playing in the background happened to be the same music of a mechanical horse ride in the mall that they were at. It just it seemed so convenient that they heard the same song. So either it was convenience for convenience sake or something with that horse is going to uh, play into this in the future. Well- did you let, let's jump right to the ending then and spoil no! it? No. Well, we're we're going you to mean the, there's, episode eight. No, of this this oh, episode okay. two because I have to question how close you were paying attention. Really, when at the end they're leaving, they've been at this decoding for so long. They're leaving the mall; it's all closed down. But Steve puts he knows he's heard that music somewhere. He puts the quarter, and it's the same one from that horse. And what they said is that that message didn't come from Russia; it came from here. And that's the, the in the this, mall. In the mall is what they're no, saying. I, that well, is exactly what they said. And I'll bet uh, you money yeah, that's I, where it goes. We know, we know it was in Russia because we saw in the first episode well, they're over in the like Siberia or something. Well, we know it was they were speaking Russian, but we don't but, know who where that message well, originated. They're, they're not broadcasting from the middle of the mall, though. I mean, I think when he said I here, think he, they are. I think he meant the I US. Guess we'll find out, but I think he meant like the U.S. Here's here's why I think that was broadcasting from right there in the mall. I think these scientists <laughs> in Russia could not get their stuff together. They they failed on the on the first episode. They failed right, and they sent people over to this small town because this is where it was sealed. Now the question I have was: this mall built on top of where that facility was, or nearby? Because oh. there, there's a guy, if you watch all the That's scenes- That's a good of, theory there. When, I didn't even think about that. When Hopper is waiting for dinner, which we'll get to that, 
he's pretty hammered up in his Miami Vice outfit. And he goes to leave, and we've seen this guy a couple times now roaming around the mall. We saw him once, and he's sitting at the bar where Hopper's at, this kind of real serious-looking bigger dude. And he's quiet. He hasn't said anything yet, but Hopper bumps into him on his way out. And um, <laughs> so, yeah, Dave, but, uh, hold on, hold on, before you go. Yeah. We're talking about Russians, and Dave just said, yet. <laughs> no, I said, yet. So oh, okay, so <laughs> let me get this straight. You're saying that you think they're actually broadcasting from the middle of the mall. I with, think where the horse or is. underneath the mall, maybe where yep. the within uh, earshot was sealed. Thing. Well, the only thing within earshot, I mean, you'd have to be in one of the stores or a hallway, uh, a bathroom, like a you know the uh, malls uh, always have like little comrade. Go play the horse ride. Well, <laughs> think about this though. Message. What if I don't think that's I don't, we'll, I don't we'll have to see. My my thought is that this guy was there. He's monitoring the people that were involved with it previously because they're trying to figure out what they can do to possibly either kidnap somebody or force them to reopen it here. And he was reporting back to somebody. What better place to send a message yeah, than in the middle you know, of a crowded place? I was thinking, I was just thinking that too, uh, because of where you were leading me there. Maybe he was like hiding around the corner of that horse while a kid was riding on it, and he was relaying a message back to headquarters. Because well, yeah, that I could see is possible. Because the music yeah. and the the commotion in the mall is going to be plenty loud enough to cover up. Anyone hearing him speaking okay. Russian off on a side hall? Maybe that's maybe what you're I think. Something there, Swiduck. I think mm. I am. Mm, first I time I for am. everything, I guess. Well, theory. Okay. We'll see. So let's talk about Hopper. Adam, you were very di- you. Well, both of you guys were disappointed. Episode one, how they made him out to be a bumbling idiot. Well, not a bumbling idiot. I just didn't really care for the whole. Uh, you know, the coaching me through it and then spending so much uh, time on what to say and stuff. I mean, it could have been like, uh, hey, Joyce, uh, how do I, you know, what can I say to them, you know, blah, 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 you know, to get my uh, point across. Well, here's what you have to do. And then it it cuts right there to another scene and then it comes back and he's like, oh, I thank you for the advice. That's all I needed. I didn't need 45 minutes of, you know, her going through everything you can say verbatim, writing it down, having post-it notes and charts hearts on the wall and all that kind of stuff. I just thought they spent too much time on it. That's what I was saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I think it's furthering this setup that like I talked, I think did I mention it last week my theory about 11 and in Mike uh that they were going to break up this episode? Did you no, say that? No, oh. I about how he's he's going to do something to to try and win her back that ends up ultimately sacrificing his own life or potentially sacrificing it to save her or something you don't sack as a mere mortal you don't sacrifice yourself to someone with godlike powers Idiot. well here did i not talk Let about her take this care here? of you <laughs> I, I can't remember i don't I, maybe i didn't talk about that with you guys because no i don't think so that was probably you were talking to your mom well no she doesn't watch stranger things but well when she brought your grilled cheese sandwich down to the basement no <laughs> nope, not true. When when I think what we're seeing, oh, with you this can Hopper tell those thing, jokes about me, but I tell about you. I'm not. Well, true. I can because you're going. you're really old. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. Not not really old. Just no, kind of just, old. Just oldish. Sort of oldish. Yeah, you're forty no, but now. I'm over forty now. Um, what? Yeah. You're not forty one though. Yeah, I am. Are you? 
Yep. Oh, okay. Yeah, thanks Adam, for- uh, you just turned 40. Remembering my birthday yeah. there. No, I'm just kidding. Yep. No, I was trying but, to remember who just oh. turned 40. <laughs> Adam did. But um, what I think I'm though is- I'm 37, but go ahead, Dave. My, yeah, my, my, <laughs> <laughs> my whole theory is I, I really think we're going to see this big fracturing of the friend group. And Hopper goes in, and he's ecstatic because he had the talk of, of a variety with Mike. Scared the daylights out of him and made him- terrified to even talk with 11 11 doesn't know what's going on but she knows mike's lying to her and her feelings are upset hopper meanwhile is in heaven he's blissful about the whole thing he goes to uh, joyce at the store to tell her oh thank you so much your advice worked as soon as he he asked to start fessing up that she goes oh the the you remembered all the stuff I told you to say and he's like why well, I, I had to improvise a little bit boom gets a call has to go down to city hall and I think, though, what we're going to see is all of that was big-time set up to really drive a massive wedge through this whole friend group. And Hopper's fun kind of spreads into the kids then. at the You know, the, the, the boys go, they're trying to shop and find a way to buy a gift to make up for, you know, Mike being rude to her and lying to her. And Eleven gets pulled off on a girl's day with Max. And all of that, I think, you know, we're, we're seeing, she ends up spoilers dumping him at the end of the episode. And I uh, think spoilers, I personally predict that what's going to happen at some point this season, this whole breakup's going to keep going, going to keep happening and all this stuff's going to go on and he's going to try and win her back and she's going to be in danger and he's going to put himself in major harm's way to prove that he does really like her. That's where I think the whole Hopper storyline is going. Now, what do you think about him being, made to uh break up the protesters and stuff you think that's leading well, I mean, anywhere this is job uh is yeah, it leading anywhere I, I don't know go ahead adam i was gonna say i think there's got to be some connection going on i, I like the mayor he's like <laughs> yeah he's shady you know, no one's gonna no one's gonna remember any of this stuff all i can think of is uh robin hood men in tights whenever i see that <laughs> yes right yeah but, but uh yeah, Hopper has to go be a jerk. You know, he's like, he's, it's his job. Yeah. He seemed more like regular Hopper to me this time. I yeah. like that the story moved a little bit with the uh, investigation into the uh, exploding and popping rats. Right. <laughs> and, um, you know, some more of that storyline to kind of see what's going on. And finally, we get to see a creature at the end. Yeah. Because Billy, we should probably talk about Billy a little bit, how he's he's been kind of infected with something, uh-huh. something that hates heat because he's standing out in the sun and it starts to really bother him. And if we remember from the last episode, mm-hmm. it wasn't heat. What they had to do, yeah, to like yeah. What did they? exfoliate the thingies? <laughs> so uh, he ends up going going in the shower, and the other um, Mrs. Wheeler. Uh, well, Mrs. Wheeler, he, there's this there's this great moment where he like, he's in like the stock room before he goes up up to the to the uh, lifeguard station. She goes in there. And she's like, "Sorry, I have a family." So you confirm that no, she did not go to meet yes. him at the motel. Which so, for those keeping score, okay, Dave, that was a prediction Jason made. <laughs> That she went, he thought. Oh, I thought that was your prediction. No, not me. I, he predicted oh, okay. she went. I thought she went too. That's why I, was I like, thought oh, she oh, went because was, she no. dolled herself up. I mean, how many yeah. women doll themselves up no. and then just stay at home and eat some? Uh, I think Hagen I think dolls. at the last good second, for her. yeah, good for her. Yeah. She didn't. She yeah. saw her family and couldn't do it. But I did like that. Uh, Billy had the sudden thought of smashing her head. Yeah, oh, and I that thought was pretty he wicked. Did. I, oh dang, that was Game of Thrones style. Yeah, but then it was just a you know it was just a fleeting thought. Mm-hmm. 
Instead, he takes the other female lifeguard, and yeah, he, it looks like he's about to basically sexually assault her, and then he just like stands yeah. up and lets the creature come out. We get the first quick reveal of the creature. Didn't get to see a lot. I didn't pause it and go back and look. I was just like, oh, mm-hmm. there it is. Yeah. And then credits. I'm excited for episode three. Yeah. My uh, my prediction here is, you know, when he. When he first got away, drove to that uh, phone booth, and then you know the the lights in the phone booth started flickering, and he walked out, and you started to get the uh, the Silent Hill ashes falling from the sky. Yep. You know how that happened. That whole group that was walking up to him, it turned out it, he he saw himself, and there was a whole bunch of other people there. My prediction is that is an image of what he is building mm-hmm. him and that alien are he's going to keep bringing people to not alien but you know demon whatever it is and they're going to keep making whatever he has become the clones uh, basically yeah going to make a whole Infected. army of them yeah yeah no i i, so, I agree there i think that's what he was when that when that monster was saying i want you to build what we what you see it was just a bunch of dark figures behind him and i think that's the army they want now the only other thing that happened in this episode that i think is kind of important that we need to talk about Mm -hmm. is the whole uh magnetism thing and i I think that's gonna come to fruition in some of these other episodes it's gonna have a big thing to do with it is you know magnets are losing their polarity or whatever and they're just you know they're no longer sticking to metal she completely ditched hopper and his "Quote unquote date." It was a date to him, but not to her. Yeah. But she never showed up uh, for their their you know dinner. Well, because she was with the science how, teacher, the nerdy science teacher, trying to figure out the uh, <laughs> magnet issue. Right. Well, and how? And of course, how, listening how to Weird Al, guys, which was awesome. That's what I was gonna say. How much yep. did you guys geek out when they show this guy and he's in there painting his miniature D and D figures, just blasting Weird Al? I was like, <laughs> oh, this is yep. so good. I loved it. <laughs> I'm going to counter a little bit. Now, I don't mean to counter, but I mean, like, I kind of feel like they're really pushing. Like, hey, remember this? Remember this? Every single scene is just yeah. over 80s. It is. You know what it's I mean? It's very heavy. 80s. I do love some Weird Al, though. So let me let me ask you guys this. A thought just occurred to me about the magnets. You know, when, when we get the description about how that would be and it would take a machine that's so big and blah, 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 you know. He's he's explaining it to her. The Ruskies have a machine. Is that what you're going to say? That's what I'm wondering is if their machine oh, yeah. that blew up, you know, what we thought was in Russia, maybe it's not. But when we thought that machine was in Russia, maybe they've got their own. They're building and getting fired up here, and that's what's causing the magnet issue. Let's, let's play off the premise that this is built on that site uh, where they had actually closed the rift earlier. Yeah, and I don't what know. If, what if underground is still that facility? A total buffy and they move. just built this on top of it. Yeah. And the Russians are actually down below with a replica of that machine. Right. Right now. In a total, uh, that, like I said, that, a total buffy move with the hellmouth under the high school. Yeah. Uh, but one other thing, I Adams. Like Adams getting upset because he wasn't a big buffy fan. <laughs> no, no, no. I just think so. All the people are protesting are upset that the malls. Didn't they knock stuff over for the mall? I, no, I think the mall is it, just sucking business away from just, their small towns. Yeah, so it's just much. killing mom and pop uh, places. I think that's oh, what they're it, mad It was about. a new build? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, mean, I still don't get how somebody's building and they don't realize there's a huge well, underground facility under there. Let me let me throw this at you. Look at the way this mayor, he put this in and he, he wanted to help the town and all of this stuff. He seems like the type of guy that would say, hey, we had this terrible location, this terrible site 
with these awful things that happened, but I don't want our town associated with that. I don't want my name associated with it as mayor. Let me put up a new shopping mall and <laughs> let everyone forget about it. It's the new latest, greatest thing in the 80s. May I could see him doing that. Hey, oh, everybody. Welcome to the latest uh, installment in the Poltergeist series. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I just keep thinking about how much power and everything. I mean, mm-hmm. where are they? Uh, okay, we'll see what happens. We'll see. But <laughs> one, one other Solar, thought. dude. Solar. Yeah, okay. back then. There's one other thing we didn't touch on other than just briefly saying um, the more rats were exploding. I think it's important to note that when Nancy and Jonathan go down to the lady's house, um, what was her name? Mrs. Mrs. Driscoll. Um, When they go to her house, she's like, oh, yeah, these rats, they're eating my fertilizer. These are brand new bags. They're empty now and everything else. And then that that one rat is in a cage. She caught one of them. And he's down there taking pictures and the thing's freaking out. And all of a sudden it tips over and he's taking pictures, taking pictures. Meanwhile, Nancy gets a lead on the phone upstairs. So she's like, come on, we got to go to this place. And right after he leaves that rat explodes in her basement as well. But it's important to note that rat did not just explode and melt. Mm -hmm. It oozed out of the cage and then kind of grew into some kind of weird creature and scurried and took off. It looked like it was starting to reform back into possibly a rat. Into something, yeah. Uh, Yeah. So maybe that's shapeshifters. Well, I don't think it's shapeshifters, but I think maybe it's just how we're going to see these people be dominated by these crazy like Resident Evil styles horror dogs or something, you know, Silent Hill and whatever. <laughs> well, we'll see what happens on the next episode. Yeah. Another yeah. great episode. Uh, I got to tell you, though, listeners, we are doing this for you. We are, as Dave explained before, we are trying to capture the 80s uh, when we're watching this by only watching one episode a week. And you know how hard that is? Because oh. we have all these episodes available. We have to end on these uh, cliffhangers, and we have to wait a week. I want to just sit there and marathon all of them. My 11-year-old <laughs> daughter has watched the entire season three three times now. I'm not even joking you. Really? Three what? times through now. Holy cow. Oh. What was the cliffhanger? Oh, the cliffhanger this time was... That's when Billy pulls the other lifeguard out of the trunk yeah. and brings her it, to the monster. It presents her to the demon. Yeah, and, and it, it just cuts on his face as she's just screaming there, and he's watching just kind of passively. That's right. Yeah. And then uh, they'll get to watch it again. Now, we, we might as well let everybody know that next week we're not going to have the third episode. Uh, one of the guys is on vacation. We're not going to mention which one. So we're actually, we, we do have a special episode put together, but we recorded it prior to doing all of this. So next week there will not be, uh, you know, a stranger things episode three, that'll be in two weeks. So unfortunately, you know, we have to go two weeks without watching it. Well, no, we can watch episode three tomorrow, and then yeah. But if we want to remember it, we got to watch it closer. Oh, watch! Nah. I'll watch it like five times. Let's do. Oh, yeah, we'll do episode three or four together. Yeah, sounds good. <laughs> no, oh, you no. want to? I guess we could. Well, yeah, we could that would be both. the whole episode, though. Yeah. Oh, no, we'll just review it shorter. <sighs> yeah, wanna... right. Like we do anything short. I, yeah. Wow. I, I'm not good at <laughs> keeping, of... keeping reviews short. That's my bad. Well, speaking of reviews, uh. I think it's time for a movie review. What do you guys think? Nope. All right. We'll see you guys next week. Sounds good. Wait, wake up.
what? What? Oh, where am I? Uh, you're at your house, I think. Check your, Hold on, I need to spin my top. Yeah, check your totem and see. And I, I told him not to, not to do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so, and it, that's the Minnesotan accent right there. Okay. Yeah, it was pretty good. We're going to talk about Inception. Now, this movie came out in 2010, directed by Christopher Nolan, written by Christopher Nolan, and starring, of course, a lot of stars, including, including Leonardo DiCaprio, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, um, Ellen Page, Tom Hardy, Ken Watanabe, Cillian Murphy, Dilip Rao, Tom Berenger, and the list goes on and on. Sir Michael Kine, and which, if you say my, my cocaine slowly, you'll sound like him. <laughs> yep, Michael Kane. The way he says his own name, correct? My, my cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> All you have to do to impersonate my cocaine is to speak very slowly. <laughs> Lucas Haas, actually from E.T., if you remember him, he was in there. Uh, no. Um, oh, he was the, he played Elliot in E.T. Anyway, he was one of the guys oh, up front. Wasn't, but, wasn't he, was he the one driving the van? I think so. Yeah. It's it's a pretty odd movie. It's kind of a brain twist, but it had mm-hmm. a lot of dreams within dreams kind of stuff. Well, let me, can I, I'm going to throw something out there right off the bat. I hadn't seen this Do up it. until this point. Everything I've heard oh, I about it. either. Well, I had started it, but I never finished right. it. Well, everything I heard point. about this movie was the crazy visuals and all of that, which don't get me wrong. From a cinematography standpoint, this movie, this film is beautiful. Just beautiful. But everything you see is all these crazy, like, streets bending in on themselves and all this weird, you know, stuff like that, the geography type stuff and just crazy stuff. I have to say even though it doesn't taint the whole movie, you know, how much I enjoyed it. I was, I felt very betrayed that that was literally like one little three minute, five minute scene in the early part of this movie where that happens. And the rest of the time it, it, it doesn't, I mean, yeah, there's the, the zero gravity stuff and some of that stuff happening, but like the crazy street bending, Mm -hmm. it only happens once. I was, Dave wants more bent streets. I was a little bummed. I felt like I was, I felt like I was uh, kind of given a bait and switch a little bit. Well, I, I, I think what it was is, I mean, it's a very, uh, it, it's a thinking movie. I mean, it, you can't just yeah. go into it and just, you know, not pay attention. You really have to pay oh, attention no. to what's going on and what? Oh, no. I, I, that's you I was agreeing with you. Attention? No, I was agreeing with you. Oh, no. Yeah. You have to, you, you have to yeah. be paying attention. Because, I mean, uh, like Adam kind of hinted at there with the dreams within dreams and all the different layers and stuff, it really does get confusing. And as we go a little bit deeper into it, I do want to uh, mention my thoughts on that. Mm -hmm. But um, as Dave was saying, I mean, the the whole thing starts out with an awesome type uh, mind heist, if you want to say. They are trying to get some information from, and I can't remember the guy's name. Uh, Maybe you can help me there, Dave. Sato. Is that okay? Trying to get some information from him for a client. And that's this is a group of people who are able to go into other people's dreams and, you know, get the information that they need. Now, they have uh, the way it works, it's very delicate because they cannot do anything to where the the person that they're trying to get the information from becomes aware that. This is a knowledge. This is a knowledge that this technology exists. People know this happens, so I guess they kind of look for it. 
uh, in their dreams because if nobody knew that anybody could do this, they wouldn't have to worry about tipping people off because everybody's dreams are wacky as it is. Well, just whacked out. What there's some built-in self-conscious stuff right. that recognizes the threat. It mm-hmm. recognizes something that's not of itself. And that was what was very interesting because the way they explained it is every person that is in the dream is actually part of the uh, the dreamer's subconscious. Right. And uh, if you manipulate the world too much, to it's the the subconscious, as Adam said, becomes aware, but it becomes aware through the people that are. Uh, in this world, and they actually come and attack you. Well, they, they attack whoever is, you know, changing the world or should not be in in their mind. Well, it's much like they they describe it. I mean, the film opens up with DiCaprio and the old man, and then it goes into the heist right after that. Yeah, I should okay. say. That, yeah. But they describe it multiple times as being like a virus. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of funny because if you think about how that works, where the the dreamer's subconscious will attack essentially the architect or the person that's there that shouldn't be, it's almost exactly like your body fighting an infection. It knows yeah. something's not right, and it's going to battle that and try and banish but it from there. I kind of like Jason's thought here. Dreams, and this is one of the biggest, my biggest problems with the movie, dreams are never like real world why, why is there real world gravity when so many people can fly in their dream you know why is there on every single dream that they go in it's like oh i'm in the regular world and just dreaming about regular stuff why isn't it like i'm riding a rainbow unicorn flying through right. the clouds and yeah. eating pizza that looks like popcorn what is happening you know well i think if they really had this technology they'd be like um let's not do that again well I, <laughs> yeah i i think they they kind of allude to it. I mean, the fact that like Jason said that this is a practice that people are aware of, and especially the people that we're introduced to in this film, they're all like high up, very powerful people. Um, and they, they, most of them have had either a, some kind of training themselves, or they've had some kind of safeguards put into their subconscious, which is something we see later on. But it's, that's how Sato is able to figure out because he realizes that like at one point they they punch him and he's on the carpet or something like that and he's like oh i've spent so much time on this carpet but it's not the real carpet and he he becomes aware of it and suddenly yeah. the protesters are you know coming closer and closer and i think that's why it's just the just kind of the connotation that these are serious like businessmen, powerful people. That's why they're not dreaming about rainbows and you know flying like but Superman. He, here's yeah. the thing, though. So. We we have all dreamt our entire life. We've dreamt. Uh, at least uh, yep. maybe Adam hasn't, but we most of us have huh. dreamt our entire life. And while we're in that dream state, we do not. At least I don't. I don't understand how you know ridiculous some of the scenarios are that I've been in until I wake and mm-hmm. I analyze what well, I had just dreamt. So for him to be in the dream world, to fall on this carpet and realize, hey, wait, this isn't quite the carpet I really have in real life. It's well, like, it's because uh, he's been trained. Okay. <laughs> you know, th- this guy is very powerful. And I, I guess we're, we're kind of, we're kind of deep into the weeds on the dreaming part of it, but they explain that a lot when, when they bring in Ellen page as the new architect, and he, DiCaprio's character Cobb takes her in and, and they're learning. He's teaching her about this world and, and how it works and everything else. 
he's ex- it's it really is it's very cool visually mm-hmm. but it literally is just a giant exposition dump where they're filling you in on okay here's how these things work we we started the movie you saw that they were in a dream within a dream and the guy figures it out and then you know makes an offer to Cobb DiCaprio's character that if he does this one thing for him, which they say is impossible, because up to that point, all we see is they're going in trying to steal memories, trying to extract information, because in the subconscious, it's like it's locked away in a safe or something like that. And Sato wants him to go in and, and plant an idea, and that's the inception of an idea. And everyone says it's impossible, but DiCaprio says no. And he knows, which we'll find out later, he, he find, you know, he explains why. But he talks about how in that dream state, what your mind does, and he says exactly what you mentioned there, Jason, that you don't realize something's off. Your subconscious will fill in the blanks. It's not until you wake up and start thinking about that dream that you realize, wow, that was really weird or that wasn't quite right. That wasn't reality. But when you're in that moment, your brain sees what it wants to see or your subconscious sees what it wants to see. And that's why those things are glossed over. But for those that are trained to protect themselves against it, they may notice things like that. There is, I don't know where we're at in this uh, film. Are we uh, doing this like scene by scene or are we just, uh, you know, free nah, flow? I, I would say we, we might be here all night if we go scene by scene. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, let's, right. let's capitalize on some of the good points now yep. too. Because I know I, my complaint aside, I actually found this to be a really entertaining and good movie. Oh, so did I. I enjoyed it. I think um, some of the brain twists that really get you thinking I like once in a while is so it's not just a popcorn flick. Um, I do. I thought the visual effects I thought were fantastic, especially the I love that the hallway fight scene. Um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, yes. just, his hair is slicked back. He's just the cool as a cucumber kind of guy, and he's just out there taping everybody together and <laughs> yeah. getting, them, getting them ready to go so they're all safe you yeah know, it's waiting for the kick um some of that stuff is just absolutely well how about that how about the timing with these kicks that's how they wake them up out of their dream state so they don't get lost in there oh how, yeah. how, how did they like explain a- that like each level down is amplified time wise and so when they're down in the level that they start out in that they get a 10 hour flight which will give them how long did they figure they had weeks well 10 10 hours for well yeah the first i think the first level was like a week uh the first layer or whatever you want to say and i think the third layer didn't they say something like eight years or 10 years yeah because that's the key they say in order to implant an idea they have to go three layers deep so a dream within a dream within a dream basically and that's the only place you can plant that idea (laughs) And that and that is where it really falls apart for me there. Yeah. Be, because uh having a dream within a dream within a dream. Um I I do not believe it just it's it seems so far fetched to me and it especially for planting an inception, they're saying that you have to do it on multiple levels or whatever, and it just it it you can't I okay, I can understand in the first level. If you're able to, uh, you know, implant something into the subconscious and attempt to make them believe that it was uh, their own, they came up with this idea on their own, et cetera. That was the whole thing is you can't just put an idea there because the brain will know it's foreign. It They, they did not uh, consensualize it. Is that a real word? 
consensual. Conceptualized. Conceptualized. They did not consent. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they, they would know, but uh, but if you just put the uh, seeds there, put them in the, you know, direct them in the right uh, direction, and their brain would then think that they came up with the idea on their own. Okay, so now let's go one level deeper. At this point, it is no longer a dream of a dream. Uh, I, I, I don't believe... <laughs> Oh, it just, it was, it was so confusing to me because I don't believe anything that happens in the dream's dream would affect anything because well, it's, it's so far removed from reality at that point and then a dream of a dream and a dream. I think, I think what you're missing is the fact that you're getting hung up on the dream within a dream part when you realize that what they're doing is going deeper and deeper into the subconscious mind. It's not about the dream within a dream. That's how they it's travel. About planting an idea that he does something different with this big energy conglomerate. Right. And and it's not about getting this guy to have two different dreams within a dream or something. The idea is they have to do that, trick him into doing that, so they can get deeper and deeper into his subconscious to the level where all of all of the protections basically are stripped away and they're able to plant that seed so deep in this guy's subconscious that he'll it'll germinate he'll he'll feel like it's mm -hmm. his own yeah. idea it's so it's here's not why the, yeah. here here's the the reason that leonardo dicaprio's character can do it he and his wife did this right they they went dream within a dream because they could live an entire lifetime in an hour because mm -hmm. of the kind of the time stuff that you talked about tragically his wife when they finally came all the way back out didn't believe that they were not dreaming still and she, the way to, you know, end the dream was to jump, mm -hmm. to kill yourself. And and so she ended up committing suicide thinking that she was still dreaming. And while she did it, she completely framed him because she thought she was in a dream world. She thought she was helping him, you know, to be able to take that leap with her, that leap of faith. And she wrote a letter that he had tried to kill her and threatened to kill her. She trashed a hotel room, all this other stuff. So, so that he couldn't go back and see his kids. Yeah, yet. that's why he can't go back to the U.S., which is something we see early on, and we don't find this out till later. But that's where he, at the towards the very end, is where we find out why he knows he, Inception works, is because when they were deep within that dream, when they lived their lifetime together down there, he knew they needed to get out. He knew that she had given up that part of herself. She had lost herself. And, she didn't want to leave the dream world. Right. She Well, she believed the dream world was real, basically, at that point. And to get her out of there, he told her something at that deep, deep subconscious level that basically planted the seed that he never imagined would carry through to real life when they woke up. And that's how he learned the brutally painful oh, yeah, lesson yeah. that, you know, because that's why she thought, because it, it planted so deep in her mind that she, that, you know, that she had to kill herself to wake up, and that's why she killed herself and did that. It, it's a, it's a mind bender of a movie in a, in a fascinating movie, but at the same time, it, it actually strips away when you think about it to a very linear. Okay, this leads to this, leads to this kind of a kind of a film, which it's wrapped up and it's the storytelling is so good that it makes it feel more confusing. And you do have to pay attention. There's a lot going on. But it's it's actually a very simple concept. I mean, when you think about just the, the basics of it, the idea is for them in a world where we can go into dreams, just to plant an idea in someone's head and get out. That's it. That's the whole movie. And then we're just seeing, as, seeing the whole film as they're coming up against one 
obstacle after another. I mean, the protections we talked about earlier, when they first land in that first dream with their target, so to speak, Killian Murphy's, Murphy's character, they're greeted by a, a big steam tra- a, a, a train blasting down the street of whatever city they're in. They're greeted by an entire army with, you know, weaponized, you know, like machine guns and all mm-hmm. of that stuff. And no one knows why until they get to safety. And then DiCaprio, I think, can, can um, explain what's going on. It's that this guy has been trained and has safeguards put in. So that's his subconscious that's been trained so good to prevent this kind of thing that it's basically like a military in there going after it. Mm-hmm. Now, we've gone a long uh, time here and haven't done a single uh, flick fact. And I have uh, a great flick fact for what you just said there. Dropping some flick facts. The train. Yeah. That's not an actual train. What? That wasn't even <laughs> CGI. That was actually an 18-wheel tractor trailer that was decked out to look like a train. Some practical um, so, effects. That's cool. Got to get creative. Yeah. So it was uh, It was actually, you know, they don't do a whole lot of uh, practical special effects in movies anymore. Right. And, and, you know, to know that that was actually just a tractor trailer coming through, that was pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome. It, and here's a second flick fact here real fast. The Japanese audiences, I'm not sure why they had to do this for it. Is this saying that they just can't understand things the way us Americans do? But uh, they, what they did was up in the corner of the screen, whenever they were in a dream world, they numbered it. So there was actually a number up in the corner hmm. uh, to help avoid uh, audience confusion. Uh, that for actually probably dr- would have that probably would have helped with American audiences for all the too, dream so. levels, but that gives it away then, and well, it gives away a huge thing here because I want to. We, we've we've gone from the front to the be- uh, end now, yeah. Uh, but we, you know, and we've jumped all around. But uh, I want to make a prediction here. Well, not a prediction, but my thoughts on this. Yeah, the there ending. was one scene, and when this scene happened, I immediately thought, okay, this is going to play into it later. It never did. Really, but maybe it did. Okay, there was that one scene where Leonardo DiCaprio was in the bathroom and he was like splashing water on his face and his head and everything. And he was, you know, uh, he had grabbed his uh, spinny, whatever you call that thing, the top, the gyroscope thing, top, and uh, like he was going to spin it. Uh, but then somebody called his name or whatever and Satan. he dropped it to the ground and then picked it up and put it in his pocket. Because he did not check, to, he wasn't able to successfully check to see if he was in a dream world or not. I almost think that everything from that point to where he didn't get to check all the way through the end, the rest of the entire movie was a dream. Well, here, none of that was reality. You're not far off from a lot of theories that are out there. That's one yeah. of the biggest things, especially with the end scene where they cut before you can see whether or not the yep, top it, falls. It starts yeah. to waver, but we don't know if it falls. That's the yeah, big... and that's what I was going to say was it did start to waver, uh, and they did that on purpose, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. But I do remember when they explained the top before it would it would spin forever. Yep. But it, things only start to wobble when they start to lose their speed. Right. Well, um, let me. Let me clarify why that scene was important you talked about when he dropped that on the ground because the guy that said his name and saw that he had that top was Sato, the the Japanese powerful businessman or whatever oh, okay. he was. Now, the reason that's important, the opening scene 
when DiCaprio washes up on this beach, he's all disoriented and they drag him in and there's that old, old Asian man there. It's the same building, the same room that they're doing the heist in to start the movie. And this old Asian man has his gun and this top and he makes a comment there. And then we see it again towards the end of the movie saying, I knew somebody that had one of these before. He had some pretty pretty far out ideas or something, radical ideas or something like that. And that old man, it, it it's just a visual clue that that's the only way that that guy knows about that top and why he starts to remember. And that's that's supposedly, if you believe that he got out of Dream World, that's going to be the key that linked him being able to save Sato because Sato died in that one in the in the actual main storyline in the dream. Mm-hmm. But because they're so heavily sedated, he's lost down there. And so that top is actually what's going to bring him out because he saw it. And they explain that everybody should have their own totem that only they know, only they know the feel of it, the weight of it, something unique about it because it's something they can use to test if they're in the real world or if they're dreaming. And that's mm-hmm. that's the significance of that scene where it did pay off. And we actually saw it pay off in reverse order because it's a scene that opened the movie. Mindbender. Yeah, Mind it is. Bender. Now, there, there has been some, uh, as of last year, there was... There was a story that came out where uh, Michael Caine had a discussion with Christopher Nolan mm-hmm. on he couldn't tell whether or not he was in a dream if it was his character in the dream or not or mm-hmm. which which ones were which scenes were reality or whatever and um, so Caine admitted that um, director Nolan told him about the ending and he said I don't understand where the dream is and he said when is it dream when's it reality and the director told him well when you're in a scene it's reality. So get that. If if, mm-hmm. if if he's in it, it's real. It's not a dream. So if that's the case, he made it out. He saved everyone. He got his kids back and everything. If you, that's if what you it go appears by to that. be saying. If you go by what the director told Kane. Mm-hmm. But the director also wrote it. So yeah, that's, right? the, that's the reality of it. Now, there, <laughs> that could also be like some huge plant, you know. Oh. <laughs> yeah. But then again, it, this story didn't come out until eight years after the movie yep. was over. And this has been, I remember, and now I hadn't seen this movie up till now. It's been on my list of ones I needed to watch because I love Christopher Nolan's films. I love his visual look. I love his storytelling. But this is much like the ending of The Sopranos where everyone's been fighting over it for years. You know, did he die? Did he not die? Did he make it out of the dream? Did he not? And that was my one little bit of a gripe about the movie not the ending not the question but the process when we see dicaprio talking to the old man sato that's down there that's almost dead from old age and he says let's you know let's leave here let's be young men again together and that whole sequence where he wakes up they're on the plane they're off the plane and he's here that felt so rushed right there you know, and I think that was intentional just because I think they didn't want to give too much information. They want because they knew they were leading to this big mystery ending. And had they spend more time showing them actually get out and everything else, it spoils the fun of that big mystery ending with that top still spinning. Mm-hmm. Yep. But it was that that section, everything felt else felt paced so well. But that section just seemed like all of a sudden they just hit fast forward, skipped a, you know. 10 minutes a movie and said, boom, 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 here we are. And mystery ending. (laughs) Now we kind of just brushed over this a little bit. The whole thing with Cobb's wife and uh, that he had done an idea inception with her, which led to her suicide. 
we we didn't talk about this how one of the things that is going on with this movie is his subconscious keeps bringing her into <laughs> oh yeah yeah into everything right. and it's sabotaging everything that they're trying to do yes. And that is why he's not an architect anymore, because he can't know what's being built. He can't know what's going on. Otherwise, his his subconscious sabotages it through her image. Yep. Here's another uh, flick fact here for you real fast before we talk about this a little bit more. Dropping some flick facts. In the movie, her name is Mal. And in French, that means bad. Yeah. So I don't know if uh, that like, was on purpose there or not. And bringing the tech into it much like malware. No, oh, yeah, I see. could, yeah. yeah. But I, I thought yeah. that was a brilliant twist. And Ellen Page's character, what is her name? Ariadne or Ariadne, something like that. She's after, named the same as a Greek person, one of those. Um, yep, yep. And um, actually, she's the one who helped, was it Theseus, I think? She's the one that helped him in Greek mythology no escape from the Minotaur's labyrinth. But anyways... Um, I, I think I learned that on Myths and Legends one time, that podcast, <laughs> but um, with her, Geek. she's the only one of the group that actually knows that he's struggling with this. And she's insisting mm-hmm. on, look, you need to let them know and they need to know and he doesn't want to. That's why she gets to go along because someone, he needs someone there that knows that can keep him on track basically. And when we find out kind of how all this is playing out and and that's how that's like a subplot through the whole movie really you know you you have the two main storylines it's it's his relationship with his wife who's dead and we don't know really how until we find out how and then the whole inception of the idea and i i thought that was just brilliantly done how he's going through like this elevator and we find out they're not they're not dreams they're just memories he's going to view and try and he's trying to keep mm-hmm. it alive which is an interesting thing. Another interesting thing about this movie, well, this is, I guess, another flick fact here is dropping some flick facts. We've already discussed that Christopher Nolan not only uh, directed this, but he also wrote this story. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, a flick fact for this is he actually wrote this story from the beginning with Leonardo DiCaprio in mind. Sure. He cast him as he was writing the story. That's awesome. And then, mm-hmm. and then everybody else that is in it was picked based on who he felt would support him, you know, who would be good supporting roles for Leo. So this was not written, and then Leo was cast. It was written with Leo in mind. Right. And I've heard about a lot of writers and directors that when they read a script, the director already has somebody in mind, or when somebody's writing it, they have somebody in mind. So that's kind of cool that the reason why it was written for him specifically was because uh, where was the wording here? Oh, that uh, was all written around Leo because the man delivers is uh, is exact words. <laughs> Nolan's word. Right. Uh, Leo delivers. The man delivers. Right. <laughs> so I guess he's a big Leonardo DiCaprio fan. Maybe probably all the way back when he was a Capulet. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys get that reference? Yeah, Romeo yeah and from Juliet. the uh, thingy. From the thingy. Ro- I couldn't remember the name of it. I just lost the quiz contest again. <laughs> Romeo yeah. and Juliet with Romeo Claire, and Juliet. Claire Danes yep. playing Juliet. Uh, and I, I loved it, man, because uh, I'm not a William Shakespeare fan in mm-hmm. the least. I am not. I do not like that type of old school like plays and stuff. But the way that movie was done, bringing that 
I don't know if it's a dead language, but that very ancient old way of speaking into a modern movie where their swords were actually guns, but they called their guns swords. And, yep. uh, it was just... Uh, I, that maybe we need to watch that movie again for a super review because I really enjoyed that movie. But, but back to this one here, uh, the movie was written for Leo. So that's, that's pretty sweet. And then, um, you know, I was looking at the caster and I'm thinking about it. So Christopher Nolan, Mm -hmm. correct. Yep. The guy that plays, um, Oh, I can't remember. I I can't remember names, but the guy that they're trying to put the inception into his head, Killian Murphy. Okay. Was he, he was a, Batman villain yeah, was he, he not? He played Scarecrow. Scarecrow, and was that a was that in a Nolan yep, movie? It was okay. So okay, I think it was in Batman Begins. Yep. So and, there's a little correlation and there. And cool. Dark Knight. Yep. And Joseph Gordon Levitt. Levitt, I should say, also in Batman. Yeah, he was. Was he, it in a Nolan the, one? He, yeah, he's in the third one um, because he finds the Batcave at the end. And Bane. Oh, Bane also is Tom Hardy, yeah. Oh, I didn't even think about that. And yeah. actually, I'm just reading this here. Saito, who is uh, played Watanabe. by Ken. Saito. Uh, Saito, yeah. He was actually in Batman Begins also. Yeah, he was. Uh, did did he play Ra's al Ghul? Yeah, yep. Do you think he could you know, cast people outside of the Batman universe, maybe? No. <laughs> no, but here's the thing. Let me, let me, I'm going to give this to you as a, as, a, as a creative thought outside of the connection with Batman and Inception. Do you know how wonderful that is? And it shows in the storytelling in this movie that he is so familiar with these actors and how they work together as a team. And he's able to go on and tell a real mind bender of a story. And all of them just hit their beats perfectly because they've all worked together. There's a, there's a chemistry there that you can't get sometimes just from, you know, random mishmash, especially in a big group of well-known actors like this. I mean, these guys are all pros and, and girls, I should say, with Ellen Page too. Who wasn't in Batman, but No, but th- there's a, there's a level it, it like brings everything up a notch in the storytelling and the believability of these characters because they have such a good chemistry together. It's pretty amazing. Now, uh, little uh, little known fact here. This this actually just broke a little bit. Christopher Nolan is now going to direct his fourth Batman movie. He's actually doing the next Batman movie. No, he's not. He is. Did you hear about that? He, no. he is. And not. the new Batman, Leonardo DiCaprio. No, hmm. he is not. And Ellen Page is Catwoman. No, she is not. Well, we got to keep this going. Come on. (laughs) Matt Reeves is doing the new Batman with Robert Pattinson as Batman. Oh, is that Christopher's son? No. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) But let me ask you guys this. Rapid fire, no Googling. He was always like Superman to me. (laughs) How many many dream levels did DiCaprio go through in this film then? To get to the other side. No, no. I'm I'm asking. I, I have an answer I think is right. But I want to know because they talked about going three levels deep. But how many did he? How many did he actually go deep? Well, I think technically just one three. because I think the whole thing was a dream. So you think one? Adam, I think, think it's three? one big dream, and he's just dreaming that he's going into other levels, but he's still in the single level the whole time. Him and Ellen Page are the only ones, and Ken uh, Saito or Saito, they're the only ones that go past the third level because you have the the first mm-hmm. level, which is the van. If you think of them in terms of when it, when they're timing their kick. You've got the van at the first level. Mm-hmm. Then you've got the hotel where Joseph Gordon-Levitt is trying to keep them all alive. That's the next level down. Then you have 
the Snowpiercer level, which is what I thought of it as. It's all that that big yep. base in the snow. And then where I like that movie, by the way, but go ahead. I haven't, yeah. I didn't see it, but um, oh. Saito or Saito, how do you pronounce that? Saito. Saito, he dies, so he descends down another level. DiCaprio goes down with Ellen Page to that level to find um, Fisher's character because that's yeah, they, they go down because he gets shot in the snow level, they go down to rescue him so they can plant this idea while they're there. Ellen Page gets out at that point, and DiCaprio sends uh, Fisher, Killy Murphy, and Ellen Page out to wake up, and then he goes down one more level to go rescue Saito. So I don't know if that last level, because he's so disoriented, are they are they five levels down into the subconscious, or is he just in that same world? Because he doesn't just go start searching for him. He wakes up like on the, a beach. Weren't the lo- oh? If you think about it, he wakes up uh. on a beach. Like disoriented and everything else. I don't know. Much like he did with Ellen Page when they went down to confront Maul. See, this is where it gets complex, and my brain too is like, <laughs> I think what? we got five levels of dreams, man. Just don't make me watch Donnie Darko again. <laughs> oh man, that movie was messed up. You know, we always ask for listener interaction and stuff here. Now you've heard Dave; he was going through all the levels, trying to figure out how many levels it was. Adam and I are like, what? Um, <laughs> Uh, listeners, what what's your interpretation of this movie? Uh, how many levels do you think they've gone through? Are we all way off base, uh, or are we? What what about my theory that the entire thing is one single, you know, dream level uh, from start to finish? You know, what what does everybody think? I mean, I would love to get some feedback uh, via Twitter or email or Facebook, or whatever. Anything else we need to say about this, or should we give this bad boy a score? Let's score it. All right. All right, let's start with, uh, let, let's do this kind of crazy here. We'll start with uh, usually Dave, and we'll go backwards. I'm going to give this a four. I re- I, I almost want to uh, give it a five. Not as good as Tusk. Dang it. You know what? Tusk was a four also. I almost want to give it a five, mm-hmm. but. <sighs> I couldn't because you know what my, uh, you know. You know what? I'm going to give is. it a five because it, oh, it, it was good. I was sitting here thinking about it, and I was hoping one of you would go first, and I was going to decide. But I'm going to give it a five. Storytelling, fantastic. Visually stunning and amazing. Beautifully shot. Even the the calmer scenes and the color, everything, the lighting, it was so good. Five all the way. Mm-hmm. All right, Adam? I'm, I'm going four because it's well above average. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's still a fantastic movie. Um, didn't and I and this is also my second watching. Maybe it's because I didn't enjoy. You know, it's the second time around. Maybe I didn't just have the same level of enjoyment as I did mm-hmm. first time. But uh, four is still a solid score. Great movie. Mm-hmm. Recommend. Go ahead, Jason. And I'm going exactly what you just did. I'm going with the four because you know, based on my criteria from past ones, uh, it is better than average, like you said. And this is definitely a movie that I would rewatch just because I am sure there's stuff I'd miss and some of the questions that I have. It would be nice to rewatch it again and see if I could pick out more detail and maybe watch the Japanese version so I can get those numbers up in the corner and figure out what, <laughs> you know where the dreams are. Yeah, all you have to do is learn to recognize the characters. Well, and I just thought of it in terms of the levels at the end because mm-hmm. they all have their own color scheme. And they all have their own setup, the van, the hotel, the Snowpiercer level, and then you've got the crazy beach, like total subconscious, which repeats twice. So I don't know if there's four or five levels, but that's how I kept track of it. So that gives us a score of 4.3, serve it up. 
This was a good movie. Yeah, great. I enjoyed I, it. Absolutely. I enjoyed it a lot. Now, what are we going to watch next time? Oh, I picked huh. this one. Who is it? I forgot who it is. Dave? All right. So I think, let's see, Adam did Sicario. Jason, you picked this one. So oh, yeah. I'm going to bring us back. It's a classic, one of my long-time favorite movie, so spoilers, chances are I'm going to get a high review. Duck? Well, I'd love to watch that one, but I don't think I can convince <laughs> you to it to do it. Dark Crystal. <laughs> but I, I'm going to say let's go on a little adventure with the dude. Let's hit the big Lebowski. All right. Oh, I thought you said the Duke, and I was all getting excited. I thought we were going to watch a classic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the Duke of Fame. Hey there, Belgrum. Yeah. No, uh, you know what? The Big Lebowski, I have not. I I saw that when it originally came out. Uh, I do remember bits and pieces of it. Yeah, I'm excited to watch it again. I've never seen it. Uh, <laughs> Idiot. I mean, uh, you're going to enjoy it, Adam. <laughs> hey, let's talk about recommending some apps. Yeah, let's do it. Digital Soup recommendations all right i like them big i like them chunky jason hit us with the app monkey <laughs> that chunky monkey speaking of chunky monkey uh as adam saw that is my app recommendation this week and the reason why i'm recommending this is uh as we talked about in last episode the walking dead comic has now come to an end after 193 episodes it has finished I had read up to episode 100, and then I had stopped because I, I no longer wanted to be spoiled for the show. And since the comic and the show are on such different paths now, because most everybody that's still in the comic is now dead on the show, or missing, quote-unquote missing, um, I'm going to go back and read it because I want to find out how the comic ends. And the way I do that is I don't actually go out and buy the actual comic. I get it all digitally. And one of the greatest readers that I've, I've tried many different com... Uh, what? Sorry, I, I just Googled... I typed in Chunky App and it automatically took me to Chunky Applesauce. <laughs> okay. I'm looking at a two-pack of Musclemans at Walmart right now for five fifty nine, guys. That is got? not my recommendation. I'm sorry. Uh, Chunky okay. is a comic reader. Uh, it reads all the, the classic formats like the CBR, the standard PDFs, etc. So you can get your comic books from any source. You don't have to buy it from a certain store. You could buy it anywhere and load it into the app. And it works great. Uh, that's what I'm reading my uh, Walking Dead comics on. I started back on issue one again, and I've read the first two issues. They're quick reads, by the way. It's not like you have to spend hours. Each have issue you takes you about on on your phone yet. No, on a tablet, on a ten inch tablet. Okay, sorry for no, interrupting you. Not on a. F- Where were you going with that? Oh, I was just wondering about the size. If it's doable, like on a phone. Uh, yes, but you need to have the the Apple iPhone SE because on a four inch screen, it's beautiful. Well, okay, you're making jokes, but I, I don't know about this chunky app. But I do know I've used the Comicology app, Comicsology app, I should say. And yeah, the, but that's a store. You buy it from there. It, it is, but no, they've got an app as well for reading. You have to buy the comics through the Comicsology shop. Typically, yeah, that's what I'm saying. You might be able to pull them in from other sources. That I don't know. But the the one thing I was going to say pertaining to the phone. You can actually, it makes the, the way they do it makes the comics readable on the phone because when you're looking at a page, you've got, say, four or six or eight panels. You can actually just double mm-hmm. tap the panel and starting in the top left, and then it shows you just that panel, what's happening, and you just keep tapping the screen. It'll bring you right through all the panels in oh, order. Okay, that's pretty cool. And so this app might do that even on the phone. 
Yeah, possibly. Now, just to clarify here, because Dave brought up the Comicology, uh, this is not a store. You cannot purchase any apps from this. This is strictly a reader, and that's all I needed because I got my comics from another source. So you cannot download this and you know buy the comics from them. This is just a reader. You have to import your comics from another source. But the Chunky app, it's free or for like two ninety nine. You can get the pro version, which adds a few uh, extra features. One of them is it gets rid of the borders around the edge, so you know you don't have like the white border. A couple of other little things. I mean, I did it for two ninety nine because. You know, I just, I like to buy everything. Um, <laughs> I just, you know, like I bought that, uh, the My Radar. I, I, I saw one ad and I'm like, all right, $3.99, you're out of here. <laughs> exactly. I, I just, I hate ads. But this doesn't have ads. But I just, you know, I decided it worked very well. I enjoyed it. $2.99 wasn't a lot to spend, so I did it. All right, Adam, what do you got here, buddy? Well, do you guys like movies? I hate them. That's why, you know, I hate doing super reviews. And this was our very last super review. Oh, good. So the app I'm recommending is the official IMDB. That's the Internet Movie Database app for both Android and iOS. Now, is it and data it is or data? I've always been confused. Database. You could say database. It's acceptable. Okay. Um, most. <laughs> Sorry, I threw a curveball in there for you. <laughs> oh, that's okay. I was just opening the app on my phone anyway. So the IMDB app is basically all, this, all the content from the site in the palm of your hand, a much slicker interface. Um, one of the things I like to do with it is after I watch a movie, I go and look the movie up in the app, and I go down to the trivia, and I read all the fun facts about it. I just find that stuff fascinating. Like flick facts? Yeah, flick facts. So I could be getting flick facts from IMDb? Yeah, you get flick facts from your phone. Sweet. Funky. Funky flick facts from your phone. Flick facts. (laughs) Anyway, I'm drunk. Yep. How are you? No, and, so, and I do this, want to point out this is this is the second app that Adam has suggested that has an Android uh, uh, no, version. No, it's two. been more than more no, than it's two. just been two. <laughs> um, the other nice thing about IMDb, they've got the latest movie trailers right there, including it can notify if a new movie pops up. So on my iPhone, if I swipe all the way to the right, I can see a little list of here's some new movie movie trailers, and I can just tap on that and have a listen. It's pretty cool. It sounds cool. Yeah, Dave, what's yours? Get it. So what I've got this week, I was wanting to play around with a, a technique on the photo side, but I didn't feel like digging out my my good cameras to do it, like my my bigger cameras. And it's the idea of intentional camera movement. And I was looking at the work of this guy. His name is Andrew S. Gray um, online. So if you look him up, it's at Andrew Gray, I believe, on Instagram. He does this this these photos where he's intentionally taking the scene and moving his camera a bunch on a longer exposure in just certain ways. And it makes these really kind of ethereal, abstract looking things that have a very different, almost like a painting feel. So I was like, that looks interesting, but I wanted to play around with it on my phone. So you can't really put like a neutral density filter, all that. So in a little research, I found this app, it's called Slow Shutter Cam. Um, it's only iOS as far as I know. It's a, it's a $2 app, $1.99. Adam. <laughs> Yes, but it's it's one ninety nine. Um, wow! And what it does is it essentially lets you do really long exposures on your bucks, iPhone. Dang. Now the cool part about it is how it's doing it. It's not actually holding your shutter open. You dial in. You've got all kinds of settings you can play with. And if you get your phone, you know, stable where you've got it either on a tripod or something like that, resting on something, you can then set the time. You hit the button, and it goes. And you'll see as it goes. 
it almost looks like the image is kind of building and building and like burning in. And what it's doing is it's taking a whole bunch of pictures really fast and then kind of real time merging them all together to create the effects of a slow shutter where you've got like, say, um, cars driving, leaving light trails, or you've got a roller coaster blurring through a scene or a train or something like that. And so I was using that and just playing around with it, but it's actually a lot of fun. And I'm curious to try kind of more at night when, um, when it's a little, little darker and, and set my phone up on a tripod because it is actually a pretty, pretty solid app and the, the image quality results are good. The only tip I would give you if you get this app, first thing you want to do is go into your settings and have it saved to the full resolution or close to full resolution because by default it wants to save at like 720p, which is actually a pretty small image. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Mm-hmm. There's, It kind of gives you that if you have a neutral density filter and then you do long shutter yep, exposures. Exactly. Kind of that. Or at that. night. It, if, it's, a, yeah. it's a good mimic. Yeah, it's not perfect. It's not the same as a, as a regular camera where no, your it's, it's like it's taking open. sampled layers and putting yep. it on there. But it's, that's pretty unique. I like yeah, that. Yeah, for playing around, it, it's fun. Send, why don't you send us some shots? Yeah, I can do that. You get on yours. And you know, I would have checked it out, but it's only available for iOS. Well, it is where the have, cool kids you are. You don't have your iPad? <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, you look like a freak if you're taking pictures with a 10-inch iPad. <laughs> well, the, <laughs> it sounds like every school event I went to and <laughs> I know. my kids, oh, I'll I mean, just hold this one. You, you can't see the stage. I'm going to hold this iPad. Right. I made fun of people that did that. I'm not going to do it oh, myself. See, so I'll, I'll tell you what. If, if you were going to do that, <sighs> take it old school because there's like people. I, I talked on my show recently with uh, a guy named Riley JB. He does those tintype photos. And they've got mm-hmm. like those big view cameras with the hood over them. I mean, these are those big boxes. Just do mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. but have your iPad under there and just yeah. treat it like it's a real old-timey oh. big camera. What if you did, yeah, make some vintage iPad holder that looks like yeah, that. Yeah, just there a big, go. like a box with the iPad mounted in the front, and you're just under there. You'd have that, uh, whatever they call that thing with the powder in it, and you light the powder to make the, <laughs> yeah, the flash. Yeah, the flash. Did, the flash. Did you know, I've got a question for you. Did you know that for, uh, for a while... Harry Houdini used trap doors in every act. Yeah, it was a, it was a stage he was going through. <laughs> oh, you're such a door! Uh, yeah, I had to bring uh, you a dad joke. I like it. I'll, I like that a lot. I'll use that. Um, I have to rant a little bit here, guys. Okay. Oh, great. So last weekend took took my family to see Toy Story Four. Uh oh. Okay. And this is why I'm getting sick of movie theaters. We we go in there. That's Great. It's a movie theater. No big deal. Get our popcorn, whatever. We sit down. Two rows in front of us, this woman with her two kids come in, sit down, and she's her kids have like brand new like doll toys or something, and they're still in the box. So they're opening the boxes and blah, 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 having a good time. In the theater. Okay, okay. that's in the theater. So, okay, no big deal. She's having fun with the kids. The movie starts, and she lifts her phone up, and it's on full brightness, and she's <laughs> texting. I'm like, oh, this is annoying. Then she turns to take a picture of her kids, and it didn't come out right. So she turns her flash on and starts taking flash photos of her kids during the opening seasons of the movie. Please tell me you said something to her. She did. She did two of them. And then she took a picture of the screen and she was tweeting this stuff out. Like, I'm having fun. Like, whatever it was, because she was two rows in front of me. The only reason I did, I I bit my lip. And the reason is, if she's the type of person that's going to do that, she's going to be the type of person that's going to turn around and start stuff. And I don't want to ruin my kid's experience by having dad get into an argument with some stranger over being completely rude and being a complete tool yeah so i let it go she didn't take any more throughout the rest of the movie but at the end of it when everybody's um, watching the end scenes she gets up she puts her kids in the middle of the aisle and she starts doing flash photography again 
And I thought, why? If she had done one more picture at the beginning, I would have gone out and just gotten a manager. You know, because yeah. I don't want to be the one that's like, hey, stop doing that. I know a lot of people that would probably do that, and I really, really wanted to, but uh, <laughs> I just could not believe the gall. How do you not have the social skill to know you don't take flash photos in a movie theater during the movie? So, lady, if you're listening to this podcast, <laughs> yeah, <you>. right. <laughs> and thanks for your listen. Yeah. <laughs> be sure to like, subscribe, and tell a friend. Guys, what is your thoughts on that? Because that I, really made me mad. No, I'm with you. I would have said something. That's just me. And I thought phones were basically, uh, I don't want to yeah. say banned, but oh, no, I mean, they're they're, not. I thought well, people you're would. You're not supposed to have them out. No, well, but isn't there, isn't there somebody that walks around every once no. in a while? Maybe not in your theaters, but uh, no. uh, just no. make sure everybody's you know doing okay and they rip that person out. Hey, quit filming the movie. Got it. Yeah, no, they they don't ever come in, but they have the big ads up front saying, you know, please shut off your phones and blah yeah. blah blah. Be courteous and yeah, you well, know, like like I said, she didn't make she did two pictures and then she put it away, and so yeah. I was I, I was steamed a little bit, but she didn't keep going. So like the whole movie was fine, but it was still mm-hmm. like, why would you do that? Right. Anyway, because she's an idiot. Toy Story four good worth seeing. Yeah, it was very good. Cool. Spider Man Far From Home also very good. Good to know. Good to know. Uh, what what time is it? It's time for a kickoff. All right, time for a geek off. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So Jason put this in the show notes, and I I honestly just saw this about five minutes ago. Oh, my goodness. Um, So you didn't do it. No, uh, I got something for you because he puts in a note that just says, the geek off is, did this take place in Stranger Things or Inception? Make it work, Dave. Ha ha. I'm pretty (laughs) sure we'll know what's going to take place where. So I was thinking about it, and I thought, okay, let's do this instead. What... Do you think of the concept that what what if you were to combine these two Stranger Things and Inception turn the turn the upside down into a dream world? Oh, it's Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> I was just thinking the same thing. Yeah, but who's dreaming it? Like whose dream is that? Uh, easy, Miss Driscoll, the old lady, the old lady. Yep. Yeah. It's her crazy psycho dream for for three seasons worth, like the yep. first two seasons. Even no, I'm just kidding. I don't know. Who would you say? Like, what character do you think would be most likely to be well, populating the world? Well, the central character is uh, Al, so you'd probably almost have to think it was her. You think you know, so? Bec- that could yeah. work. Because you would be like, well, you know it's a dream world because uh, a girl doesn't have powers. There is no demons that are coming from something called an upside down. Actually, you know, if somebody was to tell you all about this, I'd be like, hey, is that a dream? <laughs> yeah, it, actually, I was just thinking this could be like a totally heart-wrenching yet crazy cool sci-fi horror movie where you take the dream possibilities from Inception and if you take Eleven's character as the main and it's like it starts out and they're, they're you know, they are quote-unquote testing on this girl and she's doing all this stuff and you find out it's like dreams within dreams within dreams or whatever and at the end you find out that what's really going on is she's a young girl that's battling like cancer or something, and all these monsters are the cancer she's fighting and everything else. No, oh, jeez, could, look at you had to go there, didn't you? They I'm, well, they could make. A, I'm intrigued. It would be a pretty solid idea, I think. Wow. So, Stranger Things yeah. Inception. I, mean, I don't know. <laughs> well, all right. Well, I think Not that was a pretty good geek off. <laughs> I mean, it just was a kind of throwing an idea. It's a good out there, question, but, though. I mean, honestly, that's a good brain scratcher. I mean, you could. What if we? Yeah, what happens when you meld two things? 
Yeah, that would be the obvious to go with eleven. As it would the, be a strange inception. Well, why you know why don't we uh, why don't we throw this out to our listeners? Uh, let us know what you guys think. I mean, how would you explain all of Stranger Things if it was a dream? Whose dream would it be? Oh, and make I just a big had another backstory idea. for it. Oh, yeah, I, I had another idea. Season one of Stranger Things, we find out. Was it season one or season two? I forget. Hopper had a daughter that died. Season one, it was. Um, that she died young of cancer, actually, if you remember. Mm-hmm. What if this was all Hopper's dream, and he's battling nightmares, and he generates this character of Eleven who becomes like a daughter figure to replace his daughter? And the whole reason why she gets bloody noses is because she has brain cancer. Maybe. It could the- be Hopper's dream. Mm-hmm. And it's actually the year 2019, and yeah. his glory years were the 80s. Yeah, and back then he could throw a, a football a quarter mile. Yeah, like Al Bundy <laughs> or uh, no, <laughs> Uncle Rico is who yeah, I was exactly. thinking. That's Uncle Rico. Oh, um, I was thinking of Al Bundy. And you I know, you could throw a football over those mountains. <laughs> as as we wrap up and sign off here, one other yeah. Stranger Things question for you. We never really talked about it much. Just a reference. What do we think of Hopper going all cutting edge? Remember he he was defending his Miami Vice clothing choices. Everyone was teasing him. That's pretty bold for you, Chief. What did you think of him in full Miami Vice was, white suit jacket? I, I liked him because he was being himself, especially yeah. in the restaurant where he's like, what, what do you say, the Chianti? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How's your Chianti tonight? Yeah. And then he just walks out drinking. He's like, I do whatever I want. I'm the police. Yeah. yeah. And he's, I'm the boom. chief of police. He's like, just yep, hammered. That's a better hopper. <laughs> that's a better hopper. Yep. So who's listeners, let us know whose Stranger Thing dream would it be if this was Inception and why? Nice. All right, guys, we're going to have to put a lid on the soup. Be sure to listen and subscribe to us over at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Stitcher, you name it. Um, we're all over the place. Leave us a review if you'd be so kind, especially over on Apple Podcasts. We like If you uh, put a review out there, we'll probably read it. And, of course, you can reach us at digitalsouppodcast.com where you can find links to all of these sites as well as all of our social media. Say hi to us on Twitter. Tell a friend. Have an awesome week. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. See you next time. Take care, guys. Later, Gators. Hey, it's a throwback. It's been a throwback oh. episode. Later, it's the Gators. 80s. Yeah, because we started this uh, show back Whoa. in the eighties. Whoa! I almost fell off my chair. I, I, I'm awake again. <laughs> guys, we haven't started the show yet. And you know what? You know what? We mentioned the kick, but we never explained what the kick was because they go into detail. You know, if your brain, your uh, it, it feels. Uh, It's the Digital Soup Podcast. <laughs>